G'day and welcome to Partake. Today I want to talk about the Christian disciple and evangelism. Paul writing in 1 Corinthians 2, starting at verse 1, regarding his first contact with the city of Corinth. When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith may not rest on men's wisdom but on God's power. When he was going the fifty miles or so from Athens to Corinth, Paul was alone. He had left the intellectual city of the ancient world Athens and entered Corinth, the cultural capital of the ancient world. And I wonder if you are like me and sometimes think that Paul was like a superman, always brash and bold and utterly confident when engaged in evangelism and mission. Well, according to that passage I just read, he entered with great nervousness, weakness and fear. He was not confident in his own ability or the way that he spoke and reasoned. But why should Paul have been this way with the city of Corinth? And the city of Corinth is located on the narrow isthmus linking northern and southern Greece. It had two ports on either side where small ships and boats could be dragged on greased planks the three-mile journey across the isthmus, thus saving themselves a 200-mile journey through dangerous waters. It was therefore a natural place for fantastic links for commerce and culture across the known world. The world-famous Isthmian Games were held there, and Paul's reasoning for deciding to go there was probably along the lines of if it's good enough for commerce and culture to be spread from Corinth, even better for the gospel to travel far and wide from that hub. So he enters Corinth. But alas, with culture and commerce came its evil triplet, immorality. The temple which overlooked Corinth was dedicated to the goddess Aphrodite and had a thousand prostitutes. Aphrodite was the goddess of love and sex and every evening those prostitutes or priestesses as they were also known would come down into the city and ply their trade and in those days to go Corinthianizing meant to go actively seeking immorality these reasons are why Paul entered Corinth nervously the proud and cultural intelligentsia endemic immorality and the many temples to many gods including Aphrodite and Poseidon. The Corinthians were postmodern people even before postmodernity. Their motto, if it feels good, do it. And Paul, Paul was nervous and weak in his own strength but he was supremely confident in the Lord and the power of the Spirit to use him. What can we learn from Paul's visit to Corinth? And how do we apply them to our lives today in 21st century? 
after all, are modern cities and towns are no different from ancient Corinth. In evangelism, Paul's message was the gospel, and the gospel is Trinitarian. The gospel is the Father's mysterious revelation through the Son's work on the cross in the power of the Spirit. And that same gospel is three-dimensional. It's the breadth of the Bible. All the scripture is about God's plan of salvation. There's the depth of the cross and what it achieved. And there is also the length to which God goes to in his mission. And the gospel is both anathema and unpopular. The gospel is never popular. And if it is, then it is not a truly biblical gospel. We have a false gospel being preached where financial prosperity is a central claim. We have a false gospel being proclaimed where Jesus is a cure-all beyond being the central claim. But for Paul and for all Christian, true Christian disciples, Jesus and him crucified, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 2, is the true gospel. And it is only popular with those who recognise themselves as sinners. But what opposition did Paul face? Paul faced Jewish opposition. To the Jewish mindset, it was unthinkable that the Messiah would be crucified on a pagan gentle cross. As for Gentile opposition, well, where do we begin? Jesus' exclusive claim to be the only way, the only truth and only life challenged Corinthian pluralism and universalism. The Corinthians lived a life filled with many gods. Why would they want to settle for just the one, particularly one who had died? And the life of holiness challenged Corinthian immorality. Exercise self-control, Paul. You're having a laugh. Ha, ha, ha. And then God's power challenged Corinthian cultured intellect. Some of the Athenians told Paul he was a babbler. And so would, so would have the cultured and refined Corinthian intelligentsia. And humility challenged Corinthian pride. To kneel at the cross takes great humility. The Corinthians were a proud and cultured people to whom the thought of humbly kneeling before a god was anathema. Much better to be devoting yourself to a goddess of sex. What more could a young Corinthian want than the mixture of religion and sex? And the same applies today. We are shouted down if we dare exclaim that Jesus is the only acceptable path to God. We are told there are no such things as moral absolutes anymore and what's right for you may not be right for me and providing I'm not hurting anyone, stay out of my private business. Sex and sexuality are worshipped and adored as if they were gods in themselves. And in an age of scientific materialism and hyper-rationalism, People cynically laugh at us and say that we worship a dead man. We are often called fools for believing in original sin and deluded for believing in a God. Have you been called these things? I know I have. Humility is not looked upon as a strength today. It's frowned upon as a weakness. The world says that if you want to get ahead in life, you need to be strong, show some backbone, and don't ever back down to anybody or anything over anything that you think certainly never admit you were wrong and had made mistakes the way of the gospel is to kneel before the cross 
admit your mistakes and sins and be prepared to serve, be served and take up your own cross. The world is quite willing to accept a harmless baby at Christmas but not the violence of the cross that followed. That is why atheists like Richard Dawkins even like to sing Christmas carols. The danger of Christmas is when the glorious incarnation of Jesus Christ being both fully God and fully human is diluted into fantasy along with Santa and his elves. For more to think about please do read Acts chapter 18 verse 1 to 17. Ask yourself the following questions writing them down if you can and see how you respond or react to them. Then why not share your answers with your spouse or a close friend so that you can pray over any issues together. Question 1. Am I using all opportunities to build relationships and tell others a truly biblical cross-centered gospel? Question 2. Am I growing and changing into the very likeness of Jesus? As ever, if you have any comments to make on this, please do contact me at partake at hotmail.co.uk. Thank you.